Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. So, Pastor Matt, why well, you got a door up there? You guys, oh, hey, you guys see this door? Is everybody see, can everybody see the door? Man, I want to give thanks to Gene and Scott, who are celebrating tomorrow 42 years of being married, 41 years. Oh, he's keeping track. So she needs an award for 41 years is what you're saying. Yeah, she gets an award. Thank you guys for putting this together. My son, yeah, that's right. It's a great example. I appreciate you. Uh, so my son, who is two, has started to get into like where he really loves opening doors. And he's just gotten to the point where like he can get a hand on like one side and pull down and get through doors, right? You guys remember that stage of life where everything was good, you could close doors and they wouldn't go in, and now all of a sudden like everything's like uh, up for grabs now, apparently, with the kids. And they got these, it freaks me out too, because on our door going out to the garage, it's one of those handle doors, right? Instead of like the, the turn knob things. And so he could just go up and like all of a sudden we'll hear the little, the little, uh, the little alarm lady say, uh, garage door two is open. We're like, oh God, we're just going to play. We're running after it freaks us out. But one of the best things ever invented are these little plastic things that you can put over the door handle. You know what I'm talking about? And he just spins it and he can't get it to go and it frustrates the heck out of him. And I think it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but it keeps him safe, right? It keeps him from getting into things that he shouldn't be getting into. It keeps him from going out into the garage room and getting outside and helps us to be able to keep our eyes on him and keep him safe so he can't turn that doorknob. See, doors for him, for a little guy, aren't scary at all. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but like children just have this, it's just, it's just this boldness that something is behind there that I can either play with or eat. <laughs> so every door is some sort of like game show where there's a prize on the other side, I think. There's so, and, but have you ever watched a scary movie? And as you're an adult, you know that doors actually are very, very frightening. There's things on the other side of those doors. Anytime you're watching a scary movie and you see a door, what are you shouting to them as they approach it? Don't open the door. You don't know what's on the other side. The bad guy's always on the other side of the door. Everything I need, though, when I go on a trip, is in my closet, right? Everything that I need to go on my trip is in my closet. So behind my doors, nothing's scary. It's all the things that I need when I go on a trip. So I will go to my closet, and I'll open the doors, and all the things are there. I take my suitcases in. I start placing all those like, little things where they're supposed to be. What were the weirdest things that you heard this morning from somebody say that they take on their trip? Give me a hand or two. Tell me something weird. What did you hear? A selfie, stick. a selfie stick. Okay, all right. That's fair. That's fair. That's a good thing. Must be traveling alone. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else? What else? What else? I'm just playing. You can take it with two people. I was kidding. What else? What else did you hear that was weird? Dryer sheets. Dryer sheets. Now, that's a really interesting idea. I hadn't thought about it. It keeps everything fresh and clean. Oh, the car, the people in a car smell. It's a different situation. <laughs> what else did you hear? What else did you hear? Y'all know what I got to take. I talk about it all the time. I got to take my fan. Everywhere I go, I gotta have my fan. When I sleep at night, gotta have my fan. When I'm getting dressed in the morning, gotta have my fan. I gotta have air movement. As a matter of fact, right now, I don't have a fan. I could really use a fan. We got a bunch of them here. But whenever I go on a road trip, all that stuff for me 
is behind my closet door. I can open the door. Everything I need is there. I can pack it all in. And all the equipping that I need for my journey is right behind that door. Anybody have a room in their house or a closet in their house that, like, you have a rule that you just don't open? It's got stuff in there that as you close it, you have to put a foot on the bottom and lean in to it. Is that, is that just me? We actually have a door in, in our house that has, like, a, a passageway into the attic, which I'm really glad my son hasn't found yet, by the way. Now that I think about it, I feel like I freak out just a little bit. So you just go into that door, then you go into the next door, and you're in the attic. Well, now that it's, like, 150 degrees outside, that closet not only is packed full of stuff, that thing is packed full of heat. So if you go and you open that door, it wafts out in, and all of a sudden I realize that I'm a super old man, because anytime they go in the closet, I'm like, hey, close that door. Close that door, you're letting heat in. You paying this electric bill? I didn't think so. Close that door. Keep the heat out. <laughs> I turned into an old man. I'm going to have to go buy some Werther's original pretty soon. <laughs> and then I get to thinking. Maybe in our lives, there are doors that we don't want to open. Because things are so packed in behind them. Or maybe there's too much heat, something we can't control. And the only way we can is to keep that door closed. Or maybe in our lives there are places that the doors we just don't want to open. I mean, some of those doors might have something really great on the other side, right? It could be something incredible. Some might feel like a, a great opportunity. Some might evoke great fear. And for some, it might be both of those at the same time. Somebody say amen. Mm-hmm. When we get presented with those challenges, I think there are some of us that just jump right in. Just open the door, take off, run in, and just hope and see kind of what happens. There's other times, though, that I think a lot of us are really more cautious when we approach that door in life. Whenever I've got something like this going, I think to myself, I always want to go get prepared, get all the things that I need in place. It's like I go to my closet, right, and I open up the doors, and I walk in, and all the things that I need to take are going to be right where I put them last, unless my wife puts them away. And then I don't know where anything is. <laughs> I'm sorry, baby. I know uh, they just celebrate 41. We've got 20 this year. I still love you. Okay, good. We're good. Everybody cool? All right. I think we're all right. I tend to overpack, though. I go, and I want to put everything that I could possibly need. And I don't know why it is, but I think when I was growing up, and I go from one place to another, I never wanted to get stuck not having enough stuff. But the thing is, that's not quite the way it works, is it? Listen to me now. Jesus doesn't call the equipped. Jesus equips the called. Say that with me. Jesus doesn't call the equipped. Jesus equips the called. What you'll need on your journey isn't in your closet, but waiting on the road ahead. What you'll need on your journey isn't actually in your closet, but it's waiting on the road so if life is a journey, scripture is a road map. What happens in scripture is really interesting. I took, I took this um, sort of idea and understanding about what it would mean for us to sort of go on this journey and to be equipped. And I started jumping through the Bible, and I had a lot of fun putting together this sermon because I realized in all these stories of call, where God would come and ask different people in different times, all the way through scripture to do something, there were a number of sort of 
things that happen in each of those stories. So it got a little bit of a process. And this process has steps. I kept finding a similar narrative. In the story of Scripture, this story is your story. Y'all ready? All right, everybody get out your Bible phone. You got your Bible phones out? I'm going to walk through some Scripture today. Oops, my phone's back there. You don't need it anymore, do you? I don't need it either. I memorize it all. What's up? <laughs> first place we're going to go. This is the first part of the process. And this is what I like to call the first step. It's called, hey, you. Everybody say it with me. This is that moment where God gets your attention, where there's something. Give it to me, coach. Hey. Hey, you. God gets your attention somehow, gives you a new direction. Everybody look at Moses in Exodus 3. We open up to chapter 3 in Exodus. If you're keeping track, you're writing some notes in. Start writing some of these things in your Bible. I don't know if you can do that with your phones these days. I'm I'm old school paper, paper guy. That burning bush story. Here Moses is just tending the flocks and doing what he's supposed to do, hanging out in the field, at, and you're just doing his thing and, and keeping track of the sheep, which is not a great job, right, because you've got to walk around protecting them from wolves and keep from stepping in what? Don't say it. <laughs> and here he is, this bush on fire. It's not burning up, but he says, let me turn aside and see what this thing is. And he walks and approaches the bush, and the bush starts talking to him and tells him to slow down, stop, take off his sandals. It's this moment of God saying, hey, you, I want to tell you something. I want to talk to you. I want you to notice that something in your life is about to change. We're going to go in a new direction. Or you look at Paul in Acts 9. Do you remember this story? On the road to Damascus, and he's, uh, it says, as he was still spitting out murderous thoughts and words against the Christians, a great light came and boom, knocked him off his horse. And there he was, this high and mighty one on the ground. Hey, you. Or what about Mary in Luke, the first chapter? Matter of fact, you could even look at Zechariah right before it. And the angel, angel comes and, and he says, well, how do I know that this is all for real? And the angel says, one of my favorite things that an angel ever says, I'm Gabriel. <laughs> you imagine this? That's like what I do with my kids when they're like, well, why do I have to do that? I'm dad. Do, do it. I'm Gabriel. The angel comes to Mary, says, you're going to bear a child. You're going to bear a son. This angel appears to this little girl. Shocking and incredible and impressive. God says, say it with me, hey you. The second, second step. I like to call this the, uh, what? <laughs> but I will tell, we'll call it reluctance. Everybody say it with me. <laughs> reluctance. This is when they always say, nah, Lord, and it happens over and over and over again. Throughout Scripture, we see it over and over again as they come and God does this incredible, hey, you moment, and they're like, nah, Lord. Moses says, no, I'm not good enough. I don't talk so good. I can't make the words use the sentences. I'm not any good at this. And you want me to go talk to the most powerful person in the world? No way, God. No way. Even Mary, the mother of God, even Mary says, how can this be? I mean, (laughs) I kind of get the feeling that like she's a, she's probably like a teenager somewhere in there, and she probably says, look, I know how babies are made, and I haven't done that, so I'm going to have a baby. Like, I don't, I just don't think I get what the process is here. Uh, How can this be, God? 
or Jeremiah, the great prophet Jeremiah. And as soon as the Lord calls him, he says, I can't do it, I'm just a little kid. I'm just a little kid. Third thing that happens. I bet you're going to find this story in here somewhere. Promise. Everybody say it with me. Promise. The Lord over and over and over and over and over says throughout Scripture, I will be with you. God never once calls anybody to something and then kicks them to the curb. God says, I will be with you. And Mary, it says the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. We think about the Great Commission. Some of you guys got the with you always shirt. That's what we talk about is that God is with us always. Jesus said the Great Commission sends these disciples off down the mountain now to go and spread the gospel for the rest of creation, for the rest of eternity, right here, right now. I will be with you always till the end of the age. And even Abraham, in the call of Abraham, he says, I'll make you more numerous than the stars. I'll make you a great nation. Now, could you imagine hearing that and then looking up and seeing as many stars? There was no light pollution at the time, so you could see everything. Everybody ever been out to like, like out the, way out west where there's no lights at all and you can see the stars? Somebody say, yeah. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Now, imagine looking at all that and thinking, my descendants are going to be more numerous than all of those stars, Lord. I will be with you. My promise is true. The fourth step, say it with me. Community. God never sends them alone. There's always some sort of person that is along with them. You think about like uh, Peter. When Peter was called, all the other disciples were called too. They weren't called to just go out by themselves, but called in community to be his disciples. Moses had Aaron. Do you remember a few weeks ago we talked about Moses? Every time he held his arms up, the battle would, they would start winning, and every time he dropped his arms because he was tired, they'd start losing. Do you guys remember this? And who was there to hold up his arms? It was a guy named Her and another guy named, say it, Aaron. Aaron, yeah. <laughs> Paul had Ananias. He sent him blind into a city, and the Lord went to Ananias and said, you're going to help him. You're going to help Paul on this journey. Mary had Joseph. Think about the incredible story. We talk about the incredible story of Mary, and we should talk about it even more. But Joseph even gets less and less pressed, doesn't he? But Joseph stuck by. Think about this. An unwed mother? An unwed mother in the middle of all this? So he all of a sudden has to know that this is not my child. And everybody could have known. He could have kicked her to the curb, but he didn't. He was her community. God told him, walk with this woman. Do not put her away, for she's the most important woman in the history of the world. The fifth part of the process, command. Everybody go, <laughs> yeah. We don't like this part very much. We don't like this part very much. We, don't, we certainly don't like the other thing that goes along with it. We don't like the word obedience, right? That God says, I want you to obey this command. Obedience and then command. They go hand in hand together. God calls us to this thing and then expects that we ultimately will do it, that we'll follow through with it. It's a little bit difficult because what it ultimately means, and like we talked about this morning, it means surrender. It means letting go of everything that I wanted to have happen in my will and surrendering them to God's will. When God presents us these doors, God expects us to go through. And then God doesn't really take no for an answer. 
Anybody remember the story of Jonah? Somebody say, yeah. That's a great one, man. VeggieTales did that one. He said, if you didn't catch it on the Bible, catch the VeggieTales version. Very close to Scripture, except for the whole vegetable part. Supposed to go to Nineveh and talk to the Assyrians, and the Assyrians were actually known for like just taking out anybody that would come and say anything bad against them, right? So they would go, and hopefully everything would work out great. And as soon as they got there, they would get cut down. And Jonah was not an idiot; he knew that if he went and did this, that he was going to be in some big trouble, potentially even die. And he's like, "No, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not going to talk to those people. They don't need any of my time, and I certainly don't want to give up my life for something so silly." All of a sudden, I had the VeggieTales thing go back in my head again. I'm sorry about that, guys, but that's... But these are my words. He goes, doesn't go, goes the other direction, ends up going towards Spain instead of Assyria, ends up getting onto a boat, and all heck's breaking loose, and he's like, I know, y'all got to chuck me off the boat, you're all going to die. Gets chucked off a boat and gets swallowed into the belly of a whale. Everybody say, no! And he says to himself, these are my words, life is stinky and miserable, cramped up and stale. I feel like I'm going nowhere, stuck in this funky place. That was word for word what he said. But just imagine for a second, being eaten by a whale, stuck in this disgusting, dark, frustrating place. It was a real for him, but it's a metaphor for us, Amen. See, when God calls us to go this direction, I will be with you. Surrounds us with a community to be able to go. But we say, God, no. And we go in this direction. We sort of choose to jump in to the mouth of the whale. I talk to so many people. I can't tell you. I talk to so many people, and they tell me this. Life is stinky and miserable. Cramped up in this stale place. I feel like I'm going nowhere. Stuck in this funky place. There's a reason that you feel that way. You're in the belly of the whale. For those of us that need a little extra coaxing, there's an optional step that God takes. This is number six. I call this, hey you, number two. Give me one, coach. It's an act of God. Everybody say it. This is where God ups the ante. We've said no. We've started to say, I don't think I want to follow through with it. And that little bit of extra coaxing comes in really handy because God ups the ante and something crazy happens. Moses is just not fully committed. He's just not in. He's just not fully feeling this thing. Again, my word. But God says, all right, take your staff and throw it on the ground. And what does it become? Does anybody remember? It becomes a snake. And Moses is freaking out. And God's just like, okay, now go grab the snake. Now hold up a second. <laughs> now hold up a second I'm not a, anybody maybe you like snakes that's cool that's alright God loves everyone but, but I, there's no way no matter what kind of snake it is that I'm going to go grab a snake those things can turn back on you they, they're all muscle man they can reach around grab a hold of you I'm not grabbing a snake that's crazy but God says grab the snake and as he goes down and picks it up it becomes what staff God ups the ante and says, let me just give you a preview, son. Let me just give you a little preview of what kinds of things we're going to do together. Jeremiah, I'm just a child. I don't know anything, God. 
I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not studied enough. I'm not the one you want. I'm not anything close to what you should be calling. Not me. I don't have enough. And it says the hand of God touched his tongue. Somebody say amen. And all of a sudden he could speak. Everything changed in that moment. The hand of God. And then you got Peter. I love Peter, man. Peter's out in the boat doing his thing, fishing, been out all night, caught nothing. We just talked about this a couple months ago. It's one of our favorite stories. They caught nothing. And there's a guy on the shore that says, hey, fella, put the nets on the other side. And I can think to myself the words that would be coming out of my mouth. I've been out all night. I've been out, and I got no fish, and you on the shore are going to tell me that I'm supposed to put my nets on the other side? How long you been fishing, buddy? Oh, that's right. You're a rabbi. You spend time reading stuff. Good. Cool. Cool. I'll definitely throw my nets on the other side. See ya. That'd be the end of it for me. But Peter's just like firing. Throws his nets over and can't even pull them in. Same place. Just been fishing. Nothing. And now, more than enough. So much so that he can't even bring in the nets. They're about to break and says, all right, now the story gets even crazier. Drop it all and follow me. The lottery ticket, the winning lottery ticket, let it go, because you're going to see way more cool stuff than this, Peter. The last one, say it with me, fulfillment. All these eventually say okay to God. We know that because we've read the rest of Scripture. We know kind of how these stories go. Okay, God, let's do this. Even with their reservations, even with their worries, even when they look in their closet of assets and resources and feel empty, and God still does amazing things through all of them. Every single one that we talk about in Scripture today, through Moses, who stood down the most powerful human in the history of the world that could have just as easily wiped out all of those people, and Moses, who don't talk so good is standing in front of this incredible moment he's a sheep farmer or jeremiah told god's word foundational to that part of the world foundational to our christian witness foundational to our hebrew faith and he was just a little kid or peter who built the movement of the church who carried that gospel back down at the end of matthew and got busy for the Lord, was a fisherman. Or Paul. Paul, who built the church for us, gave us the language to understand our faith, whose letters helped build what we now understand as the ecclesia, the church of God. He was a murderer. Or Mary, who bore a savior for the world who said, let it be with me, God, as you will, was just a silly little girl. Good sermon, preacher. Appreciate it. You know, every once in a while I do this in my sermon just as a little bit of self-affirmation. Appreciate that. Good sermon, pastor. I get it. Open the door. I get it. So now when we see the doors in life, we open the doors. I don't have to be perfectly equipped. Everything will be all right. Everybody say Amen. Now, we can't discount that there are some doors, and this is where I get in the sermon sometimes, and I'm like, yeah, but, all right, what about those times where God puts one of those little plastic spinny things on the door handle, and you go up to the door like my two-year-old, and you start, like, 
going, trying to go through the door because I think this is the door I'm supposed to go through. And you can't get the thing going. And then all of a sudden you start banging on the door as if somebody on the other side is going to come and open it for you. Then you realize there is nobody on the other side. So you do what my son does. And he grabs it by two hands like this and he goes, <laughs> we put them on doors that are not safe to open, right? See, sometimes we try to open doors and we can't. Sometimes there are those doors that won't turn. And we start shaking, like my kid, banging on it, leaning on it, groaning, because God wants to keep us safe from whatever it is that's on the other side of it. There are going to be those doors where you're not supposed to go through. Some doors. And we got to pay attention to that too. But scripture shows us when God puts a door in front of us and wants us to go through that door, that God every single time says, I will guide you. I will surround you. I will equip you on this journey. What you need on your journey isn't in your closet. What's waiting on the road ahead? My son wants to open doors and can't. We can open the doors, but a lot of times we don't want to. Brothers and sisters, we're called to approach the doors in life with a childlike faith, a sense of wonder about what's going to happen on the other side. Copeland knows when he approaches those doors that his mama and his daddy aren't going to let him fall. We're going to keep him safe. We're going to make sure that he's got what he needs when he walks through those doors. We've got his back. We're going to keep him safe. We're going to guide him and surround him and lift him up so that when he goes through those doors in his own life, he's going to know that we are already there. Brothers and sisters, our God is that same way. In that same way, when you go to open that door and you turn it and you open and you start to walk through, God is with you. God has been with you. God called you to this. God will equip you and God will get you through that door. Somebody shout this morning. So what's your door? What's your door? What's God calling you to? What's waiting for you beyond that door? What would it look like to take the handle and just go through? And what if when you finally go through, you finally are equipped and fulfilled? Maybe the emptiness on this side is so that God's got enough room to put in you what you'll need on the other side. So don't worry if you're not well equipped not experienced enough, not good enough, too young, not smart enough. God has proven time and time and time and time again that God's got this. And God's got you. So you have got this. Tell somebody next to you, you got this. Pray with me. God of all creation, God of adventure, God of life restored. Fill us with that sense of awe and wonder. 
Fill us with that trust to know that you have got this. You've got us, so we've got this. Encourage us to be bold this day. As the people sitting in this place, God, they know what it is that they're standing in front of. They know what that door is that maybe they're afraid to walk through. But you say you're not alone. Look at the story. Your word, God, is our story. So fill us, Lord, as we walk through that door. We pray all this in the name of the Son of God, Jesus, the living Lord, and all of God's children say, Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.